when we develop the practice of inner listening, we can strengthen this, build this around uh, listening to the, the inner sound, the nada, using that as a, a meditation object and a, a reference point. And the more that we do that, the more that it strengthens the capacity that the mind has simply to listen to all things, to be attending, to be receiving the, the sounds of the world and the, the sounds of this mind. Or just as we can listen to the, the inner sound, the nada, just as a continuous inner tone, doesn't have a particular meaning or message, it's not particularly interesting, exciting, boring, carries no information, it's not personal. It's not female or male, old or young. It just is, present. And we can listen. The attention open, attentive, receptive. Simply listening to that continuous presence. Receiving it, knowing it in the awareness of the mind. When we develop this kind of listening to the inner sound, it helps us to listen to thought in a similar way. One of the most common difficulties with the world of thinking is that we assume that if we think something, it's therefore meaningful and true. But why should that be the case? Just because you think something, why does that make it true? If I think today is Monday, it doesn't make it true. Why do we assume that all the thoughts that pass through the mind are meaningful, significant? That's our conditioning though, isn't it? We take all thoughts to be ours, we take them to be meaningful, we take them to be true. These are three major mistakes in relationship to the habits of thinking. When we train the mind to simply listen to the inner sounds, to know that, receive that, not make anything of it. It helps to support listening to thought in the same way. Not taking it personally, not thinking of a thought as being ours or who and what we are, not thinking of it as meaningful or particularly valid. can just listen. 
And when we're able to listen to thought, this is a major support for the freeing of the heart. The mind creates uh, endless burdens, limitations for itself, simply because of believing its own thoughts. This is good, that's bad. It shouldn't be this way, it should be that way. That's a good person, that's a bad person. This is a success, this is a failure. Why do we believe these judgments? Why do we take them to be true, meaningful? So through the development of this kind of inner listening, we can listen to the thoughts of this mind. I like, I don't like. It shouldn't be this way. It should be different. We can hear it, know it, not take it personally, not make anything out of it. Just let it be like the the inner buzz of the nada sound, just flowing through, appearing in the space of, of awareness, dissolving. Don't have to get rid of it, don't have to hate it, don't have to believe in it, don't have to make it ours. It's just present. A thought arises, passes away. It's like a leaf appearing on a bush a bird flying through the air. It just is what it is. We don't have to make anything of it. And when we change the relationship of the mind to thinking in this way, then it goes very deeply into the heart. It changes the whole way that the mind relates to thought no longer creates a prison out of it, no longer creates a, a burden, anything stressful. When we bring attention to the, the flow of thought and reflect upon it in this way, it's just the, the sound of the world, it's just the, the buzz of the mind. I often think of it like the, uh, if you're listening to the, the radio playing from the neighbor's garden, or you're in an airport and it's playing over a television, a voice speaking, a radio station tuned to some channel you didn't select. You can understand the meaning of the words, but you didn't choose the program, you're not particularly interested, it doesn't have any special value for you. You can hear it, it's there, but we don't have to make anything of it. We can just leave it alone, leave it be, just a another pattern of nature, just being what it is, nothing special, nothing offensive, nothing unbearable, 
nothing compelling. If we listen to our own thoughts, like listening to the neighbor's radio, it makes the mind a lot more spacious. There's a lot more room in the heart. And there's a great peacefulness. There's a relaxation of being, an easing, an easefulness. And the words, uh, Nibbana is the cessation of becoming, Bhava Nirodho Nibbanang. That peacefulness of Nibbana, that's what is realized when the mind lets go of all of the, the becoming of the thoughts, when the attention disengages from the content of a thought. stops identifying with a thought, just recognizes it for what it is, a transient pattern of change, a fluid perception, arising and disappearing in the space of the mind, that's all. There's a peacefulness, a profound ease. Bhavani rodo nibbanang, the cessation of becoming is nibbana. The thoughts still arise and pass, just like sensations in the body. Arise and pass, patterns of light from the morning sun, playing on our eyelids, shapes of buildings and trees, people, come and go and change. The patterns of nature keep changing, but if the heart is not identified with them, then the becoming stops. It's not born into those things. There's no place of birth, no bhava, no mode of existence, mode of being. So even while thought is present, there can still be that profound quality of peacefulness. It depends on changing the mind's relationship to thought. In terms of Buddhist psychology, the eye sees light, the ear hears sound, nose smells odors, the body perceives tangible objects, the mind perceives thought. Thought is just another sense object. So just as the mind can be aware of seeing and be totally at peace with a, a visual object, can know a sound and be completely at peace, totally at peace, at ease with the presence of a sound, so too, why should thought be different? Why should thought be some kind of intrinsic obstruction to freedom, to peace? It's just another sense object, like smell and taste, touch, sight and sound. Why should thought be special, different? We can see green, blue, red, yellow. We can see a building, a person, a tree, a cloud, a 
a rock, a bird. You can see different thoughts. A thought of liking, a thought of disliking, a thought of what's familiar, what's understood, what's unfamiliar, what's confusing. An opinion, a memory, a plan. Why do we have to make anything of it? Just like whether it's a pigeon flying by, or a blackbird, or a magpie. It's just doing its thing. A thought of approving, a thought of disapproving, a memory, a plan, an idea. Liking, disliking. Why do we need to make anything of it? A magpie is a magpie, a blackbird's a blackbird, a robin is a robin, a pigeon is a pigeon. That's all. The mind can leave it alone, let it simply be what it is. And just like the birds fly through the infinite space of the sky, so too there's thoughts of liking and disliking, approving and disapproving, thoughts of past and future. They can just pass through the space of the mind, no need to make anything of them. There's no reason why they should interrupt that infinite space of the mind. So when the attention then lets go, disengages from the content of a thought, even though a thought might still be there, there can be the great peace of Nibbana. Nibbana doesn't depend upon there being no thought, no emotion just as it doesn't depend on there being no sight or sound or smell or taste or touch. The Buddha was just as peaceful whether he was seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, or his mind focused in deep meditation. The peace of Nibbana is just the same. So during the day, in the periods of formal practice, or the times of being in the presence of other people, times of solitude, informal practice, you develop this change of relationship to thinking. Don't look upon thought as an enemy or as a problem or as a kind of brain disease. Just change the relationship to it. Ask the question, just because I think it, why do I assume it's true? Just because it happens here, why do I call it mine? Just because it takes shape in my mind, why do I think it's meaningful, significant? Where does that come from? Why does the mind create that? So when we investi investigate thought in this way, then the, the habit of compulsively believing in thinking, identifying with thinking, is loosened. It's recognized that thought doesn't interrupt the intrinsic natural spaciousness of the heart. 
changes the relationship to thought altogether. And when the mind is not thinking compulsively or believing in thought, attaching, identifying with thought, then mysteriously we can do our best thinking. When the heart is alert, attentive, spacious, then we can use our intelligence, our memory, our imagination to explore experience, to investigate our emotions, feelings, the structure of our reality. When the thinking then is based upon wisdom, upon non-attachment, upon alertness, then it has a spacious quality, a measured quality. So this kind of reflective thought is non-personal, it's not seen in terms of self-view. It's what we call yoniso manasikara, wise reflection. Or dhamma vichaya, investigation of reality. When thought is not taken personally, when it's not believed in blindly, then it can be the most powerful and helpful of tools. Support for liberation. So it's not as though every kind of thought is, is a waste or is an intrusion or is a dangerous obstruction to our clarity, our peacefulness, not at all. A few well-placed thoughts can save us weeks or months of dukkha, of suffering. But it's when the heart is awake, free of self-view, unbiased, then the use of investigation, reflection, can be uh, powerful, potent, liberating. It's when the, the heart is bound up with self-view, it's not seeing clearly, is biased with fear, aversion, desire. It's when it believes in the content of thinking blindly, identifies with it as me and mine then the presence of thought creates more alienation, confusion, difficulty. So like many things in nature, if it's, if it's handled unwisely, like picking up a knife by the blade, picking it up unwisely, then we cut ourselves, it's painful. But if we pick it up in the right way, pick up a knife by the handle, keep the blade pointed away from us, then we can use it skillfully. It's a really powerful and helpful tool. It's all in how it's picked up, how it's handled, how we work with it moment by moment. And when thought is used skillfully, when 
we apply wise reflection, yoniso manasikara, investigation, dhamma vichaya. There's no interruption of the peace of the mind. Just like we can be seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, without intruding upon the heart's peace and freedom. Similarly, when the, the thinking process is guided with wisdom, free of self-view, then the presence of thought, imagination, memory, ideas, does not obstruct, intrude upon that basic, fundamental piece of the mind. Rather, the, the process of wise reflection helps to clarify, strengthen that quality of peacefulness, the qualities of alertness, wisdom, understanding. It's the kind of thinking that frees the heart rather than binds it. <laughs> 